last 22 years. And what a blessing that has been to serve together and then to be sent out by Latham Bible Baptist Church in order to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles with me tonight, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9, a very familiar passage of Scripture that I want to touch on because I think it's important that we get a framework for what we're going to share tonight. Uh, but I want to thank you for your ministry in our lives and uh, learning and growing and the opportunities that we had together. I need to take the opportunity. I wasn't paying great attention this morning when Pastor Coupain started, and uh, he mentioned that someone was sitting or don't sit in Mike's seat uh, this morning. Don't take his seat. I did not realize that I had taken the Capayan family seats uh, there by sitting in the second row, and so we do truly apologize for that from the bottom, I know, uh, from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, we do that almost every week as we travel because we don't know the order of where we sit. We didn't get the seating chart when we start, and so usually uh, we're sitting in someone's seat, but uh, what a great joy it is. Uh, we sat there for many years. Uh, I didn't sit on the platform. It's because I had Jordan and Lucas, and so I needed to help mom wrestle them before uh, junior church came or children's church, and uh, so it was a whole lot easier for me to do that from there rather than to go trying to get their attention from here, but it is a great joy to see so many of you, and appreciate your, your prayers for us in ministry. What I'd like to do tonight is, is a couple of things. One I want to share with you from the Word of God, and I shared with you this morning the passage we're going to be looking at, Matthew chapter 9, uh, but then I want to take an opportunity of sharing with you some of the laborers that we do have in Ecuador, but then give you an opportunity for questions that you may have. This is your ministry, and you can interrupt us at any time throughout the meeting, throughout the message, because we're accustomed to that, and uh, we would more than happy stop and, and to share with you and, and answer your questions. Um, I asked Pastor Coupain as we began, uh, approximately what time do we end? And he says, oh, I don't like to put a lid on that. And uh, usually pastors say, go at least a half an hour long. That make, makes me look good uh, the following week when they're preaching. But uh, that's not what he said tonight. But uh, we're going to look into the Word of God, look at your ministry, but then be able to answer any questions you, you might have. Uh, our ministry, just in short, for those of you who may not know, is in church planting. We're the pastor, I'm the pastor of uh, La Conexión uh, Peninsular. That's the connection on the peninsula, Baptist church. Uh, there and we've been there now celebrating three years with them uh, we actually were in the states here for the third anniversary that we had been celebrating as a pastor with them and so we're looking forward to getting back and being with them uh, through the next couple of months and celebrating what God is doing but then also a large evangelistic ministry as you see on the screen my heartbeat our vision for our part of God's great commission is preaching Christ or uh, loving God and loving man by preaching Christ where his name is not heard and so we look for pockets of people and groups of people that may not enter into the church, but we go to them. And scriptures tell us to go and to make disciples. It doesn't tell us to invite them to a friend day at church. It doesn't tell us to drive by and hope they walk in the door. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of variety of ways to touch people's hearts, but I believe it's best as you and I go, as Jesus was skin on throughout the week. I remember hearing that from Russ Warner many years ago and picked that up and believed in that, that it is being Jesus with skin on through the week, wherever you are, the connections where you are, in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or to the uttermost 
parts of the earth. And so we try to do that. That's allowed us to have a ministry to motorcyclists, a ministry to police officers, to firefighters. I saw your jump bag out in the hallway and I got excited knowing there's an EMT or paramedic here. I can't tell you how much that got me excited. And uh, we'll talk after the service and find out when you're coming down to Ecuador and bringing a group with to do a training. And so we'll share a little bit more about that. But Matthew chapter 9, I want to take the opportunity of looking uh, with you for just a couple of minutes uh, here at the Word of God. Uh, Some of you may know this route. It's I-75 going down through Atlanta. It is now a 15-lane highway. I don't know whether north or south got gypped of a lane, but it's a 15-lane highway. And when my wife was in Atlanta with her mom driving along I-75, well, she was a little girl, so she wasn't driving, but Mom Ellison was driving, and many of you know her, the delicate little thing that she is, um, they had a flat tire. They had a flat tire in the middle of I-75, and my mother-in-law is, well, she was a speed demon, and... um, Surprised she did not hasten her death on the highway because she loved the pedal went all the way down to the floor She might as well use all of it and um, They had a flat tire and they pulled off to the side of the road and mom Ellison yelled out to her Dan pray But don't pray for the Wow She was a pastor's wife and she said don't pray for the missionaries Um, And you can probably understand, and Deanne as a little girl at that age probably would have gone all the way through the seven continents and every missionary that she knew and forgot about the flat tire. That's just what her heartbeat and her spirit is. But I want to ask you, what do you pray for the missionaries? We send prayer requests, and we can send names, and we can give you some things, but what is the best thing that you can pray for the missionaries? And I can give you a whole list, and we could be here until a week from Thursday just on a list of prayer requests that we could give you. But what is the number one most important thing that you can pray? And we find it right here, I believe, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. I have verses 36 through 38 up here for you, and I'm going to give it away because it's underlined and it's in yellow. I believe in simplicity. I believe in us being able to catch it right away. I don't want it hidden. I don't want you to have to guess. And I want you visibly to be able to see it and let it be ingrained into your heart. The number one thing that you can pray for missionaries is what? That the Lord of the harvest would send forth more laborers. You got it. You got it. In verse 35, Jesus had been going throughout all the cities and the villages teaching in the synagogues. I think it's kind of interesting. That's one of the last places that we usually look to go preach today. We stay away from the religious centers, but he went right down to the heart of where they were. And Paul did that as well, walked into a new city and went and talked to the people that would be preaching and teaching something contrary to the message that he was bringing. But Jesus went teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among among the people. Um, every form of Uh, he was pretty busy and he took a minute to get away from it but when he saw the multitudes in verse 36 what does it say can you read the next phrase with me out loud he was moved with compassion on them why because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd And then Jesus comes up with a plan here, the next, and how to have an evangelistic outreach amongst the synagogue and the people that were there amongst the cities. Is that what it says? Jesus said, let's begin a feeding center so they can all come and they can get a track and and get the gospel. Is that what he said? 
Let's open up an orphanage for all the children that do not have parents. Let's open up a life clinic. What did he say? The number one thing that we need, and I still believe it's the same thing today, and I told you it's a simple message, and it's a simple point. The number one way to pray for missionaries is this. Can I tell you it's the number one way to pray for your pastor right where you are in this ministry? It's the number one thing that you can pray wherever you are is that the Lord would send forth what? Laborers into his harvest. We don't need watchers. We have those. We don't need observers. We don't need strategists to sit there and look at how you're doing it wrong. You know what we need? We need people that are going to get their hands gritty. They're going to go right to the people that need the Lord Jesus Christ in their own Jerusalem, touching them and meeting them, being Jesus with skin on right in their own world. You work in places that I will never be able to get into. You go to schools where you have to push a button to get in and a guard meets you at the door and unless you have a reason to be there, I cannot get in. I cannot get into your workplace. There may be security and if not, as soon as I did show up, you would hear calling security very, very quickly. But that's where God has placed you as your Jerusalem and he's calling us as believers to do what? To pray for laborers because the labors are few. We read in multiple parts of scripture that the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. It's white unto harvest. It is ready. And that's what we have found in our ministry as we go, loving God and loving man by preaching Christ where his name is not heard. I've heard the same thing here in the United States as we go and we talk with police officers and prison guards and everyone that we meet and we ask them, do you have a chaplaincy ministry where you are or someone that cares for you personally? And they'll usually say, well, we have a religious person that comes in and says a few magic words and then they leave and we only see them about once a month. I said, do you really have someone that comes to you where you are to meet your needs when you are defending and protecting society that's going to get down to the heart of the matter from the things that you have seen, the things that you have had to do as wielding the sword in the name of a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who is caring and loving on you. We don't have that. I believe right here in our own country we have need for laborers to reach out to every segment of the population that we have. There's not a place that is overrun with labors into the harvest because Jesus says this and he calls us to go and to do it. And I'm asking you to pray for laborers to go into the harvest. And as I was looking at this passage, which is a familiar missions passage that we would know about, I began to think of the laborers that stand together with us in the ministry. And I want to just share a few of those with you. And I'm going to ask my wife to come and share with you about this lady who is part of our missionary team, a laborer in the harvest field. Good evening. I get to share about our team that is in Quito. This is Dr. Melissa Nieves, and she is about to celebrate 10 years in Ecuador with us, and she is from Philadelphia, and uh, she is a medical doctor, and she has been working in Quito. She came there when we were still living in Quito, and she has a great heartbeat for not only the her home church, her local church, which is the church that we planted there in Kumbaya, and she works in the ladies' ministry there in Kumbaya, but she also goes to the Quechua villages and um, works and does her medical ministry in the Quechua villages about four hours north of there. 
and she does uh, clinics with them, and she does um, ladies' ministry up there, and she does a lot of things in the outlying areas up there. She doesn't do as much medical ministry in Kumbaya because it's not a need there. Because like we told you this morning, that is more of an upper middle class area, but she goes into the outward lying areas where there is much more of a medical need. And uh, so she is a very special um, part of our team. And this is the Metters family. This is Thanksgiving Day. We're eating Thanksgiving dinner outside because it was 80 degrees. Never done that before, so thought we would do that. This is in our house. They came down from Quito to celebrate Thanksgiving with us. It was their first American holiday out of the country, so we decided to have them down at our house to celebrate with us. They are a family of six from Texas. So uh, it was a little bit of different accent at our table this year, having uh, some Southerners with us, and it was wonderful. Um, they are in their very first term as active missionaries, and I would definitely ask you to add this family to your prayer list. This morning, we ask you to add three people to your prayer list, if you remember those names. We'd ask you to add Jess and Amy Metters. It's spelled like meter, M-E-A-D-E-R, but it's pronounced Metter. And their family, they have four boys, if you see them there. Um, and they have been on the field for six months, and they had to leave Ecuador because five of them got visas, one did not. So they are in the process in Texas right now trying to resolve their visa issues so that they can come back to Ecuador. But they are a great blessing. They are working with a national pastor. They are in a different valley, in Sangro Key Valley, and doing a fabulous work. He works with the men's ministry in a national church plant. She works with the ladies' ministry. They're homeschooling their kids. They have just gotten there and settled and getting their kids adapted to Ecuador and then they had to pick up and come back to Texas so pray for the Metters family. The next family we'd like to share with you about is the Cranenberg family. They're out of Canada, and Canada's been in the news a lot for not such great reasons, but they are currently raising their supports. Uh, support, he is a teacher in the system, the public school system there, and they have a burden for reaching out to Ecuadorians in uh, sports ministry. And so they will be living right near us. Uh, the Metter family is probably eight to nine hours away from where we are, but we get to connect online and to help them and encourage, and they're a great encouragement to me. Uh, many years ago, we had started a Ironman fellowship here, and my boys loved it. They loved to go get bagels and cream cheese, and we'd go down to Price Chopper, and they'd say, Dad, go stand in line. We know what you're do we're doing. We know what everybody wants. We know what bagel Mr. Baldwin wants, Mr. Cuttlewood wants. We know what to get, and we do that. Well, we started one of those in Ecuador, except it's Hombres de Hierro, which is still Ironman. And then Jess just started one in his church. Uh, I'm sorry, Jess just started one in his church uh, there. Um, but the Cranenberg family are going to be right with us. Uh, the Metters are eight hours away, and the Cranenbergs are going to be dedicated to making contacts in the community using sports ministry with the idea of sharing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing them come to know him as their Lord and Savior, working through discipleship. They are really good at building relationships and friendships amongst the community, and so we can't wait till they finish raising their support and come to be a part of it. Um, I'm talking about laborers. Mm -hmm. The laborers are few, but I want to share with you the blessings of laborers that God has brought our way just in the last few years to be able to serve and to, to go. The gentleman is standing right next to me. 
my father-in-law used to call me the uh, call this my um, public sanitation <laughs> uniform because uh, it was green so he thought I was collecting garbage for the city but uh, that's actually our tactical uniform for teaching and training and uh, the short guy right next to me in the middle uh, that is Elijah Norris and Elijah is a flight paramedic He's been working in Abbeville, South Carolina for a company in helicopter. He just switched over to fixed wing, but he's going to be coming down to Ecuador. Uh, they are today starting their missionary training. And so do pray for the Norris family. Uh, they have three children. They were all sick this last week, and so they're stepping out in faith, and they get hit with a bug just, just like that. And uh, so we're praying for them during this week and looking forward to them being a part of the missionary training. Uh, this year when we had our Tactica team, there was a helicopter that had just been donated to another portion of the country. And I was talking with the uh, general that was there as a part of the ceremony. And he said that they are just dedicating the helicopter. And I said, well, we just happen to have a guy here for our training team this week with your police officers, uh, 50 SWAT officers that were there for that training that day, or for that week, excuse me. And I said that part of that is medical, tactical medical. And so we have a gentleman who's going to be teaching that. He's a flight paramedic. His eyes just lit up. And he said, we have been looking for someone to help us organize our program for rescue and doing medical rescue around Ecuador. So do pray for the Norris family. Uh, they have been down to visit us for a week and been involved in ministry and a great opportunity that we have to see them in working side by side. It'll still be a couple of years before they are there with us, but I want you to remember to pray for them, please, as they begin their journey of teaching and training, but of raising their support to come and to join us on the field. Laborers are important. And who are these laborers? This is our home church of La Conexión Peninsular uh, that met this morning at 1023 sharp. <laughs> 1023 sharp because we don't get there on time. But and we'll stay for two hours afterwards to drink coffee and eat a piece of bread. So these are our local people that we love and live and walk life with. And we miss them deeply and are very thrilled to be learning and growing and seeing them learn and grow. And this is a very special lady to me. This is Rosita. Um, they are living in our house right now while we're gone and caring for, for our house. But more importantly, she is a lady that I can depend on, a lady I can look to when I need help in the ministry. Uh, she is right there to to build up other women in the faith and when we were looking to leave and um, to turn over things in the ministry she's somebody I can say hey can you help me with that and that's someone who comes alongside and helps in different areas of the ministry I know that as a as a mature woman of the faith that Rosita is going to be there and to be a very help a laborer in the ministry she and her husband Jose are definitely that they are helpers in the ministry other laborers, this is our Sunday evening Bible study that we have at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. And right there in the front left corner, you'll see a smiling face. That is Jonathan. Uh, that is a Venezuelan gentleman that's been in our church for several years. And he is actually preaching for me the majority of the time in our absence from the country. And so they are a great blessing. Uh, I had to look really hard through my, through my pictures to find a picture of Jonathan because he's usually in the background serving and finding ways mm -hmm. to be involved. Uh, during the pandemic on Wednesday when we would gather together 
Uh, I would take the car, he would take the motorcycle, and we'd go to the market and buy everything that we needed to distribute up to 120 bags of food, uh, weekly bags of food for our, our families in our church and those in their neighborhoods. And then Jonathan would take his motorcycle, his dad would take my motorcycle, and I'd take the car. We would deliver those bags before 2 p.m. in the afternoon because curfew started at 2 p.m. He's usually the one with his thumb up. He's in the usually picture. the one with the thumb up. Uh, I guess that's part of motorcycle guys. But uh, we have something that we do. When a visitor comes yes. to the church, we give them a cup. We give them a mug, and we tell them to take a picture of themselves without their mask, with their <laughs> mug, La Conexion. Uh, that's actually to help me as a pastor to remember who is there, to remember their names and to be able to connect into them and then to pray for them visibly uh, where they are. And Jonathan's been a big part of that ministry in, in uh, teaching and training, discipling and evangeling, evangelizing. We look forward to the continued training as he has a great heart for other people that have great need that are all around where we live. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention other pastors that are serving. Mm -hmm. This is Carlos, Pastor Carlos of Guayaquil and his wife Kenya. We were in their church and worked under them in their church in Guayaquil for the three years that we have lived there. And their church was the father, or the mother church of the church that we are in now. And they are a continued blessing in our lives. And we meet regularly for prayer and edification back and forth and try to um, encourage each other in the faith. And they are a great blessing to us in the ministry. I'm going to let Deanne have a seat for a few minutes here as I go through this next series of a couple of people that are really special to us. Uh, this is Saul Obanda. Saul is, uh, works with a group of anti-narcotics, and uh, we had a special opportunity. He wrote us asking for a Bible, and so we went to Guayaquil, the largest city, to give him a Bible, and he wasn't there. Uh, that happened on multiple occasions because he got called out on drug busts and things like that. In fact, the first time that we went to meet with him, uh, we went into a banquet hall, and there were 25 guys that were all chained together with police officers all around them. They had just had a drug bust out on our peninsula where we were, and we had gone two hours to meet him, but he wasn't there. He was still finishing up things, but we were able to give him a Bible. And then there's been multiple occasions when he has been involved in ministry, even without us, in giving uh, the gospel and giving Bibles. Uh, our goal is to get a Bible into every police officer's hand as we serve around the country of Ecuador. Uh, Saul here had invited us to preach and to teach to his unit up in Quito and uh, invited everyone around. And after this, I live actually about eight, nine hours away from Quito, where we are on the coast now. But after that, he called and he says, my colonel has a need. Can you come back and can you help him? Well, part of laborers laboring together is we have connections with pastors and local churches around the country, and I was able to call one of the pastors about 15 minutes north of there and say, hey, we have a need. Uh, it's emergency. Uh, it is a time, lights and sirens going, that we need to be there to be able to help. We don't have lights and sirens. It's just to let us know that it's, it's time to move. And uh, if you want to say all hands on deck, and so the other local pastor that was there was able to go and to meet and is continuing to meet uh, with this colonel that had a specific need in his spiritual life. And so Saul is the one that opened up that door to us. And while we've been here in the States, this is two pictures of Saul. Uh, that is another colonel that is over all of the anti-narcotics group in Ecuador. And I had given Saul a Bible or Saul a Bible. 
And uh, he said, I gave my Bible away. I need another one because he gave it to his uh, commander. And so we do pray for him. He is a labor together in the gospel. Uh, we love what God is doing in his life and what God is doing in connecting us all together. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would do what? And it was a good exercise for me to sit down and to realize the laborers that God has brought along in the ministry. It is good to remember that when we're serving and we feel alone, we are never alone. Currently, we have 32 supporting churches and 34 supporting individuals. In each of those churches, we added up the average attendance. There's more than 10,000 people in the body of Christ that we are a part of. And so while we may be on the front line, specifically in Ecuador, there is a whole army, a whole force that is behind us on their knees, opening their wallets as well in support as you do here at Latham, but also in praying for us and being a part of that ministry. And what a great blessing that is to understand that we partner together in the ministry to get the gospel out. It's not just one. It's not just you here. It's not just us there, but as the family of God of serving together. And I encourage you sometime to think about the laborers that are actually in the harvest and continue to pray that the Lord would send forth more laborers because the harvest is going to need laborers until that time when Jesus calls us all home. I'm going to give you one more, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you might have. And if you don't have questions, I'm going to keep going because I've got a whole bucket load of people that I would love to introduce you to. But I also want to make sure that we're being faithful to you to answer the questions that you may have. This next gentleman, Wilmer Carpio, on the right-hand side, I met in 2014. Uh, he was the captain of this group in Quevedo. Uh, this is the group of special operations, which would be considered like our SWAT team here. Uh, and by the way, those of you that don't know us, I am not military. I have no experience in it. I am not police officer. I have no experience in it. Uh, I am not paramedic. I have no experience in it. In fact, someone reminded me this morning that didn't I one time get told to call 911 and I answered, what's the number? <laughs> that was true. At First Baptist Church in West Seneca, a gentleman on Easter Sunday morning collapsed, hit his head on the pew and was on the floor. And I came off the platform because Pastor Tom Stiles was preaching that day. And I came off the platform and I meant to say what's wrong with him. But Les Kemmer, a great friend of ours, said, call 911. And I answered, what's the number? Yeah. So I haven't lived that one down. Thanks, Dave Kettlewood, for reminding me of that this morning. Uh, no, that was great. Was that you, Dave? Yeah, okay, good. Now, that's a great reminder. I'm none of that. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ, and that's it. And I mean that with, with all the glory that comes from his name. Uh, we had the privilege of going and meeting with Wilmer. He did not know Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he received us in. He got, you can see, a stack of blue Gospels of John on the table there to the left, and we were just visiting in his unit. And uh, the Lord used that time together to build a relationship. When he was moved to Puerto Viejo, uh, about four hours away, had the privilege of going and meeting with him there. And then when he was moved to a third location, our police officers get moved every two years. And so we have a lot of opportunity to go and visit different cities, connect with different pastors uh, to continue with discipleship ministries, but also to love on the police officers that are there. And then this is him in now a fourth city. And in that time, every single place where he has been, go back. Oh, yes. Remember the fish soup that I mentioned to you this morning? That's it. And that is good. What was my wife eating, though? 
ceviche, which is cold fish, fish soup. So mine was hot at least, but hers, uh, uh, hers was uh, cold fish soup that's all uh, processed through lemon juice, and it's delicious. You've got to come down and taste it. Uh, you eat some things that are weird, so do we. Uh, but Wilmer uh, gave us an opportunity to come and to share the gospel, to give Bibles uh, to his unit that he was in charge of. Um, he invited us then to go to about 50 police officers, and his colonel said, no, we're not into that, we're not going to do that. And uh, kind of got on Wilmer's case for it. And so when one door closes, you got to look for another way to breach and to get in. And so I went personally to that base and wanted to thank the colonel for the opportunity of being able to communicate and talk with Wilmer and gave out about 10 Bibles and was invited back to do a charla. And so just neat how God works and, and how God opens doors. Uh, we feel sometimes, my wife said, that sometimes we feel like we are David in Saul's armor that it doesn't fit because that's not us as police officers or as EMTs or firefighters but that's a whole world that God has opened up to us in loving God and loving man by preaching Christ where his name is not heard uh, this last one I'm going to go one more uh, this last one I want to share with you is is Cesar Santillan his dad is the major in charge of the base where we do most of our training uh, once a year for the SWAT course when we bring guys over from the United States. And Cesar wants to be a pilot here in the United States of America. He knows English pretty well, and for three of our teams, the last three years, he has translated for us. He doesn't translate the gospel because he did not know Jesus Christ as his Savior, but he would help us with the medical side, he would help us with other tactical issues, and he was a great help. Well, this year, praise the Lord, Cesar came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. We are rejoicing in that. He still wants to come and be a pilot here. He's asked, his dad has asked if he could come to our house for a week and learn a little bit more English. And so guess what we're going to do with Cesar? We have a wonderful 40-lesson discipleship book that we're going to go through with Cesar during that week in English. We have it in Spanish, so he can refer to it if he needs to to catch some words, but we're going to go through it in English. And so we're just excited. We are praying that he will become a laborer in the ministry together. As we have prayed, it is good for us to remember what God has done and who he has brought along beside us to serve in the ministry. Amen? Amen. I'm going to take a pause right now, if I could, and let you ask some questions that you might have. Uh, anything that we can answer about your ministry in Ecuador, South America. Yes, ma'am. Nice and loud. Uh, I'm half deaf, really, and so the louder you are, the better we'll hear. Can you just explain a little more about what the SWAT course team is? Who you bring and why? The ministry started back in 2011 when I bought a motorcycle to reach out to the community where we lived. We lived, and I shared in Sunday school, that we lived amongst what was called the Pelicones. Pelo is hair. Pelicones is the high-haired. And so it was the rich people that were able to go to the beauty shop and get their hair fixed up on top of their head. That was a term that was used long time ago, but they were the Pelicones, which would be the upper-class community. We would see that the men would go and ride motorcycles on the weekend, but we never saw them during the week. Ecuador is on the what? On the equator. And so it's 6.30 sunset, 6.30 sunrise. It never changes all year long except for 7 to 10 minutes, and it's always the same. And so the men in the 
Pelicones, the rich group, would be up in Quito working during the day. They would come down to our bedroom community at night. We'd never see them during the week. There weren't soccer fields, basketball courts, nothing. We would only see them on the weekend. They would gather together for a road ride on their Harley Davidsons, BMWs, and other bikes, or they would gather in front of the gas station and uh, go for Enduro or Cross. And so we bought a bike that was uh, that red one there in the middle. Uh, I'm the short guy with the red shirt on too, uh, next to my bike, and so we bought that bike to be able to go and to minister on either way. The day that I bought it, I was stopped by the police three times just for paper check, but 1 Timothy 2 says we pray for all of those that are in authority, that we live at peace, and just kind of a summary, that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we just said, what can we pray for you for? And the commando that we were talking with was just broken, laid out a 45-minute story, and we prayed with them. And then we started doing that again and again and again until the point when we were being invited by higher and higher brass to pray. Please come. My captain has surgery. Please pray. My colonel is suicidal. Please pray. And it just continued until we are getting to the upper brass of the country, and we realized that this was more than just an opportunity. This was something that God was directing us in. And so we contacted Tactica Ministries. Uh, he is a uh, SWAT officer from the Kalamazoo uh, Police Department that decided, why am I trying to, the best, to be the best francotirador, uh, the best sharpshooter, when I've been called to be a soldier of Jesus Christ? Let's use that for his honor and for his glory. And so he began a ministry of teaching and training of the Costa Rican police, and I gave him a call. He was a good friend of ours because we'd been in Costa Rica for a year learning the language. And so he came down, we were invited to have a SWAT course with the National Police for a week based on his training and the team that we have together. The team is put together of more than 200 SWAT and higher level police officers, uh, both from the range, both from SWAT and other technical uh, abilities that they have that are men of God from throughout the United States that are paid by the government, but in their local churches, some are pastors, uh, some are Sunday school teachers, some are good church members that are serving wherever they can, and once a year they come in in order to do a SWAT training with our national police for a week. Uh, you'll see on the table there's a Bible that we have printed in their camouflage with our badge on the front, and they take that Bible, they begin learning verses. Uh, one of the special opportunities that we have, actually it's coming up on the next picture here, uh, that's Wilmer on the right, the year that he got saved. That's the two trainers uh, that are leading the ministry on either side of me. And then that's three different groups. That's a group of special operations, the group of intervention and rescue, and the anti-narcotics group that we have there in Ecuador. And they get a full 67-hour SWAT course uh, that they are able to uh, use, but they also get the gospel. Uh, we give prizes just like in Sunday school. If you learn scripture, you get uh, verses. And Psalm 119 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed to the word of God. And that begins to break down that wall. And uh, during the week, we have Bible time on the morning and in the afternoon, and then we show a Christian film at night, and God really begins opening doors with them. Uh, once they come to know the Lord, and usually about half of the group of 50 come to know the Lord during that time, during that week, then our job is the rest of the year going throughout the country, connecting them in the 14 provinces where they live or where they work, as well as the 24 provinces in all that Ecuador has. And so that's the biggest uh, need that we have is connecting with laborers that are able to follow up in discipleship because we're not able to do that from everywhere uh, at that point. So that's an excellent question. Uh, excellent question. Thank you, Terry. So we're just praising the Lord. This year it's in August, but usually it's the end of September. 
Uh, that led into a ministry, one of the uh, security uh, heads of one of the provinces said, why can't you do something for firefighters? And so then we began a ministry to the firefighters in the same way, getting a Bible, bringing over a team of Christians uh, to be able to love on them and to share with them, and then bring over people that are equipped and prepared to do whatever it is, like Brian that's sitting back there, like our brother in the corner. I uh, don't want to put any pressure on you, but the next course is coming up pretty quick, so come on down. Uh, to use the gifts and abilities that God has given to you and your talents to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody else. Does it look like we're having fun serving the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. My mom always shared with me, delight thyself also in the Lord, and what's it say? I'll give you the desires of your heart. I never wanted to to play or to train with police that was never part of the desire of my heart uh, my knees get weak when I see blood when it's the fake blood I do okay but when it's real and especially with my family I, I do okay in the moment but then my kidneys drop out of my back as soon as the adrenaline rush goes away but when you love the Lord with all of your heart he changes your desires and makes them his one of the heartbeats that we have, and if I could just share with you in, in a little bit of closing, just a few minutes left this evening, is that God has wired you in a specific way to reach a specific group of people. Your talents before you're saved, your gifts once you are saved, your interests, your abilities, as well as your disabilities, the things that you cannot do. God made you specifically that way to reach a group of people that he wants to know of his love and his glory. I always had a love of motorcycles from the time I was a kid. Never had one while I was here, but sure as we got to Ecuador, I got one as soon as I could because I'd had them previously. The things that you are interested in, the training that you have had is not just for your work to be able to put food on your table. It's to reach into a society and a group of people that nobody else may be able to touch, but you can. The Lord has allowed us to get into a lot of different groups, and I believe partially by taking the story of the Good Samaritan and as we journey, seeking out those that are right before us. Yes, having a plan and a direction, but as a Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 that I've shared with you multiple times, as he journeyed, he saw the need and he met it. The things that you do have been given to you. We always share with our police officers that come over and train that the government paid for your training in evangelism. They gave you the ability at the range and they paid for the munitions that you needed. The training that you have to be able to now use that to reach another culture that doesn't even speak your language. We believe the police in Ecuador are a least reached people group. Have you ever heard the phrase an unreached people group? We believe that the police and firefighters, and I'm going to suggest that it's the same in our country here as well, that they're what's called a least reached people group. An unreached people group is a group that does not have access to the gospel or there are not enough believers in that congregation or in that group of people to be able to reproduce, to begin to disciple, evangelize, and to begin a local church, whatever the context may be. A least reached people group is people that may have the gospel, but yet they are with their own clothing, 
They have their own language. They are behind gates and walls or protected areas, and they stay to themselves. And yet they still need the gospel message. And that's exactly what God has done, has breached the walls and the doors for us of reaching into the first responder community in Ecuador. And not only is he using us, but as I've shared with you now, he's using other co-laborers in the ministry, not just from the United States, but those in Ecuador as well, multiplying that ministry for his honor and for his glory. To be able to get into a least reached people group and to freely preach and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, the way it is right now, and it's not us, but the way that it is right now is there is not a police base that we cannot walk into at this moment, and usually within an hour making contact with someone that we know and having an opportunity to share the gospel message and to give Bibles to that entire unit. And then that multiplies, just like I shared, Saul. He has 14 units of the anti-narcotics police. And we've been invited to go and to give Bibles to each of those 14. We've handed out more than 3,000 Bibles hand-to-hand, not just in a group, you know, here's 500, go, have them, but one by one, saying, this book has changed my life, and I pray that it'll change yours as well. One of the neat blessings is every once in a while, a family member will find the Bible. They may be struggling with one thing or another amongst the family, and they'll open up the flap. They'll find our phone number in there and give us a call and say, hey, we need some help. My wife has spent a lot of time, my wife and I have spent a lot of time in marriage counseling, in anti-suicide, in debriefing ministries, in opportunities to get into the lives of these people. And usually what happens is about 3 o'clock in the morning, we'll get a text or we'll get a call saying, hey, chaplain, are you up? Are you awake? Sometimes it starts at 10 o'clock at night. Well, I am up now because my phone just rang. So what can I do for you? Usually it starts out pretty casual, but then as we share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ with them, just sharing back a verse, it'll come back with something that I have this need, and they're looking for some kind of hope. And I believe God wires each and every one of us to reach into the community where we are but we've got to be creative and to think about it your passions your burdens and your your uh, your desires are different than mine god did not make us the same and that's for a good reason because you can reach a different people group than i can and i think together we need to do that kelly Their family usually stays where they are, and that's probably part of the greater problem. But in order so that they don't have someone setting up their own empire, they move them every two years to keep corruption out. So it may avoid corruption, but yet it destroys the family. And so we do spend a lot of time in marital counseling, restoration. Uh, We do, in our own home, we do a lot of marriage conferences and counseling. Uh, We have a casita, a little independent home, where if they are married, that they can come and they can get a weekend of help together to just break down those walls to continue working with them and to help uh, in their marriages and in their lives. Now, this last year, we've had three suicide calls where people have called and said, we really need help. Uh, One was a repeat um, that just struggles with alcoholism, and so we've been working with him that God needs to get control of all of that, uh, period, and that he can get control. Um, and so that's, that's part of the reason where there's so much corruption and things that take place within their own personal lives. 
here in the states amongst the first responder community and, and police officers the the divorce and the immorality rate is super high in Ecuador it's super higher and that's probably not a good word but I just made it up so do pray for us as we serve anybody else one last one all right I want to thank you so much yes Bob Who speaks what? I'm out in the community more, and I'm a little bit more carefree than, than Deanne is. Deanne wants to know the rules. She wants to know why. Uh, why does it make sense? Um, I just want to know how to get it done, how to get it accomplished. Uh, the rules are there for a reason, but then we learn those after we figure out how to do it wrong. If you say things wrong enough, long enough, that they will let you know and you get corrected so um, plus with her homeschooling um, with her migraines with time that she's not out on the street like I may be doing some of the paperwork that's needed uh, preaching and teaching and preparing uh, it's helped a little bit in that Deanne does great though she does very very well with ladies Bible studies with counseling with um, personal opportunities uh, around in our community she does a lot better than she gives herself credit for and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, sometimes it's love that speaks louder than any words. And they know. In fact, when I show up, they say, where's your wife? <laughs> but I just know I'm married well. So I want to thank you and Pastor, thank you so much for the privilege of serving here and uh, being a part of the ministry. We covet your prayers that first you would pray for laborers. But would you pray for those laborers that we have shared with you this night? that God would continue to work in their hearts and they might together be stronger in their personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and their ability to multiply and to duplicate. We're now at the age at 55 of looking at what does the future of the ministry look like. We may have 15 more years. I don't know if God would give us that or not on the mission field. That would give us 30 years there, but what's it going to look like in another 10 to 15 years? How do we make it as much Ecuadorian as possible? We're not ones that believe we have to leave a legacy and tactical ministry and other ministries have to continue. I believe God can raise up ministries and he can put them down at his desire. But we want to do the best that we can to involve the Ecuadorians. And as we've shared tonight, just some of those laborers in the ministry with us right now, it is a huge blessing to see how God is working in their hearts and their lives. And thank you so much for standing with us together in the ministry. We'll see you guys in Ecuador. Pastor, thank you.